0: So I ended up selling all of my pet dispensers and and my vinyl records and I just I just gave myself such a hard time like my gosh like how how much did you spend on this I think a lot of people go through that process sometimes when they get get rid of their things and so I had to really say like you know that really was just a decision that I thought would make me happy at the time like that is something I tell myself a lot it's like I just thought that this was gonna help and so you can't really shame a previous Part of yourself when that person may not have known better. This is the Personal Finance Show.
1: Hi, I'm Beau Humphreys, and this is episode 98 of The Personal Finance Show. Sarah Lee Kane wants you to be open to opportunities and to make independence a priority. Sarah was born in Hong Kong, grew up in Canada, has lived in Australia, South Korea, and China, and is currently living in the U.S. Sarah worked mainly as a teacher, but the key to her survival and success was to be open to opportunities along the way. Knowing that she couldn't be a teacher in the U.S. if she moved there from China with her husband and new son, Sarah looked into ways to make money online. Sarah ended up finding freelance writing as something she could do from anywhere in the world and focus on personal finance writing. Today, Sarah makes over $100,000 a year working part-time from home, creating content for financial brands and online publications. It's not easy to create in-demand content and get paid for it, but her desire is to be independent and to be free to spend her time the way she wants – keep her on track. Sarah is also the host of the Beyond the Dollar podcast, where she has deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Sarah joined me from Jacksonville, Florida to share her personal finance story.
0: money memory was when my family and i first moved to canada and we were looking at canadian currency and i remember my mom sitting down with us on the carpet and showing us a loonie and she said look at this this is like gold and i remember my sister and i just staring at this thing you know moving around trying to get the reflection off the sun and we were we felt like we were like pirates getting pieces of gold it, but it was just like we were in awe of the fact that there was this piece of Coin that we could use to buy things in this new country. It's like I remember in slow mo, like my mom took it out of her coin purse, oh, and my your sister mom and I just revealed this. yeah, and my mom, my sister <laughs> and I just kind of like gasped, like it was we were we were like five, so you know, awesome. can you imagine a five year old just being in all the yeah, yeah. but
1: yeah. <laughs> that, oh, I love that because, it, I mean, at one time that would have been what a gold piece might have looked like, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been worth a lot more than <laughs> whatever the loonies are made of now. Is it some copper, I guess? And, I don't uh, even
0: know, to be honest. Right?
1: Nothing mm-hmm. obviously too valuable, otherwise uh, it w- it would be worth more than a dollar, right? <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> or a Canadian dollar anyway. So what year is this then? You're five?
0: This was in oh now you're gonna like get me to reveal my age but oh okay like, so well, no no it's it's fine it's fine it was, like 19, <laughs> it was like it was like nineteen eighty eight <laughs> I think okay. when we first moved there yeah
1: so you're uh, nineteen eighty three which is like full like beginning of millennial right
0: mm-hmm. yeah like I'm in the older spectrum of of a millennial if you want to get technical about it
1: I'm in the ancient uh, millennial oh spectrum. there you go uh, <laughs> nineteen eighty some people. Decide that it's uh, part of the millennials. Some people will say Gen X. It's really in the middle, Xennial, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's where I fall in. But you're you're full millennial. So 1988, you're five. You moved to Canada from where? From Hong Kong. Okay, and so you have uh, like a citizenship or or passport or something from Hong Kong?
0: Yeah. So it's I think it's called the right to abode. So it's like a permanent residency card. So I don't necessarily have like a passport. I can say I'm a citizen, but I don't think legally that's what I am.
1: So, okay. So you come <laughs> from Hong Kong, you come to Canada, and then eventually, just I guess what what happens naturally as a kid? Do you end up becoming a resident of Canada or, or how does that work?
0: We were actually became citizens. I think it was like the 125th Canadian, Canada's 125th anniversary, which was really cool because okay. I think I was in, I'm pretty sure I was in grade six at the time. And so yeah, in grade school, you- yeah so in grade school you always kind of have um like these ceremonies or um assemblies there you go and so it was like the day <laughs> before we went to hawaii and they're like oh congratulations to sarah and olivia is my sister's name for becoming citizens and then we went up and got a medal which At that's school. the part i remember and not remembering getting my citizenship which i know that's like a okay <laughs> weird so thing you because you would have
1: had to but, go through some kind of government ceremony as well
0: yeah. So, I mean, my parents would have had to take the, the test, the yeah. naturalization test, not us, because we were, we were too young. And um, so we would have had to like gone to like an office. Uh, gosh, I'm so bad. It's, I don't know what it's called, but it's a place. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, get sure. your, you get your citizenship. And so I don't remember that, but I remember getting a medal for it at, at, school. <laughs> at school. So they, they <laughs> yeah. celebrated
1: this thing at school just to welcome you as the, as the group like in this, mm-hmm. for the rest of the classmates to, to help celebrate you as well. That was the mm-hmm. idea. Yes. Okay. Cool. So, okay. So you're you're in Canada. The loony is awesome, of course. And you're living all of your mo- most of your uh, childhood in Canada. You don't know anything other than being Canadian uh, as a kid, really, right?
0: Well, we have relatives all over the world, but mainly in Hong Kong. And so we would go for maybe like a couple of weeks at a time, here and there. I call myself Canadian, but yeah. I spent quite a, still spent quite a lot of time in Hong Kong.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, that y- you, you, you kept going back and forth. So you, you're you keeping, like, what what are sort of your roots, right, in Canada? And now, of course, now you're in the States, and you lived in a couple other countries. So you're like a citizen of the world, basically. <laughs> yeah, <it's> essentially. <laughs> <laughs> but it's c- I think it is cool that you call yourself Canadian, because you did spend your formative years here, and you are a Canadian citizen. Uh, and now you have, uh, uh, what, uh, what's your status in the U.S.?
0: So it's just a green card right now.
1: Yeah, and how long does that process take? I'm jumping ahead, but I like the um,
0: <laughs> Gosh, okay, for me it was a little bit long. Okay, it was long and fast. So my husband and I were both living in China, and so I had applied for a green card there instead of going through Canada. It just was a little oh, bit easier. interesting. It was easier in the sense because we were, we're both... Living there, we had work permits, and so we could just instead of flying back to Canada, I could just do it um, in the U.S. And so what ended up happening was we submitted all our paperwork. They claimed they sent a letter to us, we never got it. it Anyways, we were we were like I was getting really nervous. But anyways, as soon as they found out that I never got this letter, they sort of um, as soon as we handed in the paperwork that was needed, I got a meeting, an appointment fairly quickly and so we just had to make sure we got our paperwork and all of that and so i think it took i'd say like a year just because of the little bit of mix-up that was involved but really luckily for me just because you know i'm a canadian citizen it's you know we were just talking about privilege for the podcast it's a little bit easier for a canadian to get u.s permanent residency so because i'm canadian my husband's a naturalized citizen it was a little bit easier i didn't have to have as much paperwork so for example if you were living in china you had to have all your documents translated into English that costs quite a bit of money.
1: Of course.
0: I think for some, I, I could be totally wrong though, please do not quote me on this, is that if you have bank statements and such, you have to get the currency converted to U.S. dollars if it wasn't in local currency or U.S. Like, currency.
1: Uh, officially, like from like the bank has to do it? Or yeah, like... so
0: you have to, yeah, or the bank or you have to get a, like one of the notaries in a China you to get a notary yeah. or a translator that the consulate approves of.
1: It's something that certifies them as not forged documents. Right, right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly.
0: So we ended up having to translate a few documents but it wasn't nearly, I think, as much as some people would have. So we were looking at that sense that it, it took a little bit, f- I'm going to put this in air quotes, faster than what other people would have had to go through.
1: Now, the green card, I don't know how long that lasts, but do you, is there a timeline as to when you can then apply to be a, a resident or citizen or however that uh, the next step is?
0: So my green card lasts for 10 years. 10 years, okay. typically, again, it, it depends on your situation. I think typically it's like, if you've been in the country for three years and depends on your spouse's status as well, you can actually start to apply for citizenship. I think after, other than that, it's like five years. So yeah, I mean, if you decide you want to become one at all, if not, you can just technically renew your green card if you qualify. Okay, so you might just Mm -hmm. do that. Okay,
1: Mm -hmm. that's a little jump into the future. Now we're gonna, (laughs) (laughs) just uh, because I was curious about, like, you know, not not a lot of people, I mean, I know some, but uh, not a lot of people have, um, you know, citizenship or residency or, or, or work permits in multiple countries. So it's a, I, I always feel like yours is a very unique situation and, and interesting, you know, to navigate all of this.
0: Yeah, uh, it's funny because I guess I get to talk to people and they just ask, oh, where you're from or where you've lived. And, yeah. and so I'll start mentioning something and I don't realize I'm kind of teasing out the rest of my story. And they're like, wait, <laughs> wait, you lived where? Wait, oh, wait, you were here? And I was like, yeah. And so I would just, again, continue the conversation. And I didn't realize, I guess in hindsight I should have, but I didn't realize how many places I've lived or how like all the things that I've done before I was 30. Um yeah. in terms of like where I've traveled, how I've worked and, and all of the things and so it's it's been fun reliving it through podcasts like this one or you know with other people when I when I speak with them.
1: Yeah. And so we're going to we're going to try to touch on all of them now because there, there, there are lots and <laughs> I tend to, to go on tangents like we just did. So uh, uh, hopefully we'll get to all of them, but l- we'll uh, we'll do our best. So let's go back to you then. You're you're a kid. You find out money exists. Now does that make you want money? How are you as a kid? Do you want to make money? Or are you like the lemonade stand kid or are you like not knowing or caring about money?
0: So I was a little bit of a rebel. Okay. (laughs) My entire family, I know, can you tell? My entire family was in the accounting business. Oh, okay, yeah. Or worked in banks. So, like, my cousins now are all, like, you know, vice presidents of, like, major banks in Hong Kong, things like that. My mom was an accountant. banking family, yeah. Yeah, my mom was an accountant. She did bookkeeping for my dad's business.
1: Numbers. Everyone's numbers. Right,
0: everyone's numbers. I mean, I knew QuickBooks, like, the old school QuickBooks at a young age. Like, I knew (laughs) all the terms. Like, I knew my way around spreadsheet, you know, all before the age of 12. Wow. And... I remember thinking like this is so boring like I do not (laughs) care about this stuff like why are people geeking out over spreadsheets I say so ironically now that I'm obsessed with them but it was one of those where I'm like like who cares like all I want to do is just make enough money to have fun yeah Uh, because I was like kind of like the the kid that wanted to go to art school and make paintings and sell it for millions of dollars or travel that's around the awesome. world.
1: So that's young Sarah was the the rebel against these these orderly uh, spreadsheet. Uh, yes. You know, people. <laughs> and you just wanted to do something different. And uh, so were you able to make moves to do that early? Yeah.
0: yeah. So I remember, it was so funny. We would have clubs after school. I think lunchtime we had clubs in our elementary school. And I would like... Almost purposely pick ones that my friends didn't because I wanted to like be the only one and I could recount all the awesome things that happened during club times <laughs>
1: okay
0: yeah, I know <laughs> again a rebel right I also picked like art classes for some reason I knew at a very young age that's what I enjoyed and so I wanted to do like drawing classes and and all of those things that was a big thing and I remember my mom. Bought me a film camera when I was younger because she saw that I had an interest in photography. Yeah, yeah. So I was really into that, and I knew it was really funny too because, considering all my parents, my parents and all of my relatives were into the banking and accounting and all of that, they were very into stability. Yes, and so yeah. they always impressed upon me to have like a nice, stable career. You know, to to do all the things I would get me a good job, and so that was always in the back of my mind. And so I knew that the art world isn't exactly as stable as some other
1: <laughs> yeah, <not really>.
0: careers. <laughs> you know, just being an artist wasn't a stable. And so I was like, oh, what if I became an art teacher? Like, I can get a permanent contract teaching in Ontario, and I could still have my love of art and have that nice, stable career. And so I knew as a young kid, this is looking back so weird. Like I remember being six and seven. I'm like, I'm going to be a teacher when I grow up.
1: That's the the thing that combines the two things. You're able to have the yeah. best of both, both worlds in that Yeah, case. and I
0: knew I loved traveling. And I also remember meeting exchange teachers or teachers yeah. who would get jobs on cruise ships that they would do in the summer and so
1: really? i was like yeah. yeah
0: and i was like oh that is perfect so i can do art i can have a stable job and i can travel because i can take this job anywhere in the world so when i was a young kid that was like my career goal
1: wasn't there a whole uh, show about uh, uh kids on a cruise ship uh, going to high school Breaker high,
0: yes, yes, okay, I didn't watch that <laughs> <laughs> did you? Watch, did you watch yeah, i did it? I did. <laughs> probably,
1: probably not inspirational or anything, but that's that just what it remind me of, so you know th- th- so are you you're making moves then to get there, like you just don't care about money at this point is that like is money having any impact on you?
0: No, I mean, I remember being pretty frugal as a kid, like yeah, it was m- not because I didn't like spending money, it was more like well why am I buying these Air Jordans when this pair of like high tops, other high tops look just as fine? I can use this money for something else. So it was more like, this is not a value to me. And it's like way too expensive for what I would be willing to pay for. I'm not going to buy it.
1: It's like you're like a mindful spender from early, early age.
0: Yeah. So I remember that. I remember like my father had friends who sold really cheap toys from china like they would bring it in and they would sell it to my dad like at cost and they had like electric scooters and things like that and i would just refuse them and i'm like i i don't need those things why would i why would i want to buy them so (laughs) that that definitely was frugal but in other ways i would like overspend Uh, um when i was in high school i was really like into trying to impress people with like being the cool person and so yeah so i would buy like vinyl records Um, Ah, i had a huge i had a huge like pez dispenser collection like hundreds and hundreds of it like i was nicknamed pez girl at one point like that's how many i had (laughs) and so i remember so it was was funny because i'm like i would use money to impress people to because i had pretty low self-esteem i think by the time high school came so i was using money to like make myself feel more worthy as a person but then i was also like well, I don't care about this. I'm not going to buy it. So there was like those two yeah. things. It, real it's almost, yeah, real dichotomy there. Yeah, and it was like, oh, I don't care about money. I refuse to be in the financial world. But then I want money to help me travel the world. I'm going to purposely pick a career. So it was like really like these weird conflicts.
1: Well, and that's a struggle for a lot of creative people, right? Is uh, sort of rejecting money as a as an, an evil or you know whatever uh, the the negative uh, term is. But need knowing then realizing I need it. For something.
0: Yeah, and I think what I've I've learned really looking back is that all the while I was using money as a tool for something, whether it was positive or negative. So, like, it was positive in the way that, oh, great, I was using money to fuel a career and hobbies that I love, right? To to teach, to travel around the world and all of those. That was great. However, it was negative because it was used to mask my feelings of unworthiness, Mm. you know, all of that. And so I was still using money towards... Whatever I wanted to feel, um, whether that was positive or negative.
1: Yeah, like a cope. It, the money or well, at least enabled your coping uh, mechanism, whatever mm-hmm. that would have been at the time. Which I guess, yeah. So spending, like, but but spending on create, like, making yourself more creative. That's what it seemed to. It seems to be uh, pez dispensers and all that kind of thing.
0: It started out like I was really interested in it. I thought, oh, these are really cool pez dispensers. But then it became <laughs> like it's my thing, and people knew me as it's my thing. And so, get got me like attention, which was something that I didn't realize I was craving.
1: Ah, okay. So you were like, I like this attention, and now I am going to do whatever uh, I need to do to get more of it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I I could see how that can lead people down, uh, you know, spending hole. Or oh, I, people like it when I buy them things, so I am just going to buy everybody things, like that kind of example.
0: And I did buy things for friends. Um, yeah. You know, many pr- people are appreciative. I think I I did buy other things to make friends, or I would buy myself things to have hobbies where I thought people would be interested in, and so I'd make friends mm. that way. So yeah, all of those.
1: Well, we're all learning how to socialize at this at this time of our lives, right? You know, we're just trying to figure out what it is that we like and what it is that makes us happy. And I mean, it sounds like a lot of people go through this in different permutations. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I remember. When I so I ended up selling all of my pet dispensers and, and my vinyl records and I just I just gave myself such a hard time like, oh. my gosh like how how much did you spend on this I think a lot of people go through that process sometimes when yeah. they get get rid of their yeah. things and so yeah. I had to really say like, you know that really was just a decision that I thought would make me happy at the time like that is something I tell myself a lot it's like I just thought that this was gonna help and so you can't really shame a previous part of yourself when that person may not have known better
1: that's right you're learning yeah yeah we're always growing and regret is a you know in the world in the addiction world where I come from is a really terrible thing right you can't really have regret or you're just going to be miserable about all the things that you've done I like that way of framing it that you were just learning and so yeah maybe you wouldn't do the same thing uh, today but that's, you you're a different person now. Yeah, I like that a lot. So where did the money come from to buy all this stuff? Where, where, did you just start working somewhere?
0: I saved up, like, birthday money. In the Asian culture, we have something called Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year, depending on where you're from. And so you would get money f- from your relatives.
1: Red pockets.
0: Yes, red pockets. Exactly. <laughs> so I hoarded that stuff. Okay. Uh, I hoarded it. We were like, okay, now, now, like, I have a couple hundred bucks. I'm going to go spend it on. Gotcha. Whatever, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so no, like no work, or did you start work at all in high school?
0: I started working when I was eighteen. My parents didn't want work to interfere with my studies, and so I see. I did work. I would work in the summer, starting when I was sixteen, but then I would stop it when I started school again.
1: What uh, What would you do in the summers?
0: I worked at a summer camp, and then. I worked at the Gap, which was apparently a very coveted job back then because you can get oh. discounts on Gap. And I was like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, I'm like, I'm just here to work. <laughs> but I guess my friends thought it was pretty cool.
1: I mean, if they sold Pez dispensers, maybe that would have been lucrative for you.
0: I think I, I would not have left with a paycheck if I worked at a place with <laughs> <of> Pez dispensers. <laughs> I
1: would. Do you have photos of this collection, like from from then? Because I would. I'm interested in to like see the the extent of it
0: you know what i i'm gonna have to take it up because i sold them on etsy so i did have to take photos for the listings um okay if i if i have any i'll i'll, uh, I'll send you some
1: i just like it'd be curious to see some like really interesting ones i'm sure you, you came across some dude do you, do you have like a one in mind
0: yeah so there's one it's uh actually wiley e. coyote it's a okay it's a little plastic kind of uh statue i guess you'd say so it's like a it's a mountain and yeah. then wiley e. coyote has a shovel. And so when you press the button he he moves and then he goes into the little like there's a little hole in the mountain and then out comes a pez dispenser. So he's like shoveling a pez dispenser. Okay.
1: So like not mm-hmm. your regular size Pez dispenser, but No, this is
0: like a special one. And then I yeah. had Another one I remember now too is it's a belt clip, so it's a big, it's like a round.
1: Oh, it's awesome! It's about
0: I'd say about half the size of a personal pan pizza. If anybody knows what that is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, it was do, do, yeah. <laughs> so it's a belt. I do, unfortunately. So it's a belt clip. It's clear on the the front, yeah. and it says pe- it says Pez across it, and then you could see the individual candies. And so you press a button, and then it the Pez goes around in a circle, and then it eventually dispenses one out. So what? if you were like really hankering, yeah, if you're really hankering for a Pez, you just got this like clip-on thing for your uh, side of your pants or whatever and just eat now
1: i'm gonna keep talking (laughs) about pez for a little longer for some reason i i I just i don't know why but um did you like did you enjoy the taste of pez because i've always just been on the fence about pez
0: you know what i'm gonna be honest i initially liked it but i don't
1: not not right? Just now, like the right? dispensers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It became more about the dispensers, like because like to me the candy is whatever. It's actually kind of generic. Uh, mm-hmm. It it was about the dispensers instead. That's just that kid, That's the last question I had about Pez. So <laughs> let's go back. So you're earning money, but you're saving it to buy these things that we just talked about. Do you have plans uh, to become to go to to teachers college? Then was that like just your plan forever?
0: I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to go to a teacher's college and I'm going to pay my way through school. So I, I was again, really independent in that sense where I'm like, I don't need to rely on anybody, you know, I'll okay, do it myself. Okay, yeah. And just, and it was also like one of those, just in case my parents didn't approve and they didn't want to help me out. I could, do it myself and that's so that's so important
1: right autonomy mm-hmm. is uh, we, you know i was just talking about that with uh Aaron, Aaron lowry uh broke millennial because she comes from privilege uh, and we're like oh you know why don't your parents just give you money and like autonomy right that's like mm-hmm. it's so important we don't even think about that right
0: yeah and that's a big value of mine too and so okay,
1: yeah yeah
0: um, i saved so the the summer before university i saved up all of that for school and then i got i got a loan i got a i think it's osap yep I think yep. for tuition, I think like for half of the tuition of the first year and then okay. I got a, I got a job at a restaurant, worked my tail off for tips and all of that and so I paid my way through school that way.
1: And uh, just for everyone's uh uh you know comparison to tu- you went this was in Ontario, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And tuition in Ontario in the what early 2000s? When was this?
0: Yeah, so it was I would say hold on. Yeah, probably early 2000. So I it's like ridiculously cheap back then i don't know how much it costs now but i think i paid like seven grand
1: yeah canadian yeah Yeah. like it was cheap right (laughs) yeah yeah, it was cheap and how long was teachers college
0: the program that i took was it was concurrent with my bachelor's degree
1: okay yeah so
0: it so i did a um a major in english minor in visual arts so that because of that it stretched to a five-year
1: oh yeah was this a where at school
0: this was at york university
1: yeah okay you went to york nice So it's, and at the end you get, you have a bachelor of education. Is that how it works? Yes. Okay. And you can teach, they teach you how to teach during this program and you come out and you can go apply for jobs or is it more complicated than that?
0: Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much how it works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, what, so what did you? Uh, so, okay, so we you're you're paying for it, but you have loans. How much debt do you have then coming out of uh, school?
0: I think I had about like six thousand ish. I'm trying to remember. Okay. Yeah, about that That's much. Pretty good. Yeah, considering. Because um, again, I was like really were, just yeah. adamant about like not getting into debt. Which, when we get later in the story, you'd be like, "What?" Anyways, um, okay. <laughs> so then I remember graduating, and I was like, "Okay." W- What I can do is get a job in Ontario because what they do, I think the I don't know what the technical term is called two over three. So teachers think, you know what I mean? And so for non teachers, basically what you do is once you get a permanent teaching contract, you can teach for two years and then take a year off without Ah. risk of losing your contract. And so in some cases, what you can do is you can spread out your paycheck over three years, but you're getting paid for two or you can get paid for two years and then you don't. Um, And so I had a friend that did that. She, she does that every once in a while where she'll work for two years and take a year off. And I was like, Oh, I can do that. I can work for two years. I can save up and then I can travel for a whole year and then rinse and repeat. I love Um,
1: that.
0: But that didn't happen. (laughs) Um, It wasn't very easy to get teaching jobs in Ontario when I graduated. This was about 2006 ish. Um, And then I had an opportunity to go to Australia and I thought, Hey, you know what? Like, Why not? So I bought a one-way, yeah, I got a one-way ticket, and then I um, went to Australia.
1: Other than going back to Hong Kong, uh, had you traveled much before that?
0: We went to Hawaii when I was 12.
1: Hawaii, yeah, okay.
0: We went to Europe a few times, and then I went to Australia for three weeks um, during one summer when I was in university.
1: So you had already been. Mm -hmm. It sounds like your parents are making some money.
0: All the while, I don't know how much they make. I still don't know how much they make. It's something that was never discussed. It's just full transparency. I don't know. Sure, sure. I think uh, my dad had a 9 to 5, and then he had his own business. And then my mom, again, like I said, she did some bookkeeping on the side. And uh, she she did pretty well in her accounting career. Um, Okay. And so I think I remember... There was air miles like way back when, like this was like when it first came out and when they were much more generous with like shelling out stuff. And so my mom realized she had enough air miles for free flights to Europe. But we did end up, I remember we still ended up spending, or not we, my parents spent quite a bit. I don't remember the exact numbers, but because of hotels and all of those things, they Mm -hmm. they did end up spending more. Flights to Hong Kong aren't cheap. They're probably cheaper now than they were back then because there's just more flights now. So um, I don't know if they went into debt for it. I don't know if they paid it all in cash. I'm going to assume that they did just because my mom's pretty...
1: Yeah, good they're, with they're good with money. Yeah, I, yeah, I only bring yeah. it up. It's just good to know uh, where you're coming from, right? Like, uh, to be, the, you know, being able to travel at all when you're a kid is a privilege, right? Oh,
0: yeah, I'm very lucky in that sense. Like, I, yeah. I don't know many people that have traveled that, that much when I was younger. I would say I felt like I was in a little bit of a bubble. I didn't realize that until much later because many of my other friends were also from parts of Asia. And so they would fly okay. back yeah. every summer. And so I thought it was like a normal... Thing. <laughs>
1: well, it's just like, it's, it's such a, a good thing to do so young so that when an experience, when an opportunity like this comes up for you to move away, you're, you're well-traveled. You don't have fear.
0: Yeah. And I think it's one of those things too, where I've always wanted to be very independent. Yes. So, I mean, I remember like going to Australia, didn't have, have a place to live. Like, I know that'd be scary for a lot of people and it was scary for me too, but I was like, I'll figure this out. Like, I have no idea, but I I trusted that, like, I'm going to be in a country that speaks primarily English and they're probably going to have, like, hotels or hostels. Like, I'll figure, (laughs) like, again, money was not in the back of my like. I think if if I think about it now, like, I would have not gone because then I'd be like, oh, but how am I going to afford this? I don't remember having much money in the bank, which, again, later on, I ended up having to rely on credit cards and I got into debt because of that okay but not thinking about those just thinking about like okay I'll figure this out I think even if you're not well-traveled or even if you haven't done certain experiences and you want to just keep that like in mind where you're like okay I'm gonna figure this out like I can trust in my skills and to
1: do it well it's interesting uh, like you know in a way Ignorance is bliss in in some situations. You know? <laughs> no, no, uh, it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so, in in a way, it enabled you to go, which, uh, mm-hmm. like you said, you may not have gone if you did the, uh, crunched all the numbers. But uh, the consequence of uh, of ignorance <laughs> is often debt, and that's mm-hmm. that's where you ended up. So, you you did go to Australia. How how long were you there? I
0: was there for almost a year. So, I went um, with the promise of a teaching contract, and then when I got there the school actually ended up hiring somebody else based on the fact that i don't know what the rules are it could be an excuse i have no idea but they um ended up hiring an australian before me because i'm not australian and so of the
1: rules yeah okay yeah
0: yeah i think there's rules around that i'm sure and so i was like oh well i have no job and i wow. got my ticket of course i probably should be freaking at this point and i remember i was in shock and i remember walking out of a recruitment agency because that was the company that brought me here and yeah the recruiter at the time was Canadian he was from Stony Creek which is hilarious oh, yeah it's <laughs> hilarious right? I know it's, it's
1: like t- 10 minute drive from here yeah, yeah.
0: so he calls me up or I'm, as I'm walking back to the hospital. So he's like hey listen we actually have an opening for an administrative assistant at the office like are you would you be interested until we figure out like you know getting you another teaching gig and I said sure sure and so okay. I did so even before I had like a chance to think about like oh my god what am I gonna do for money like this phone call pops up and so it's like okay, cool. And I loved working for them. I ended up just I think doing some substitute teaching here and there in Australia but I never fully taught. Okay. Um but it was fun. It was great. Like they, wow. they loved me. They opened a new office across the country. And so they flew me there to train someone. It was an amazing time.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you certainly made the most of a bad situation. Yeah. Everybody else might have just gone on a plane and gone back. Why, do, why, why didn't you, you were determined to stay and make it work.
0: I didn't have enough time to really think about like if I wanted to fly back. Because it was like, I remember getting that call and i was like fine i'll take the job like i it was just one of those things where i'm like i didn't even think about it i'm like okay i'll take a job like i'll figure again i'll figure it out as i go like i think if the job was terrible or like something else came up i would be like no i now i can fly back um no, okay. another thing was that my my well, now my ex-boyfriend decided to come along as well and so oh. i was like oh well you know, I can't really leave because he's going to come in a few weeks. Like, I got to get everything ready. And so that was the other okay. thing, too, that, that prompted me to stay.
1: Yeah, an interesting uh, twist there kind of forced you to stay at least for a little bit. And then the opportunity came up. It's so it's interesting how all these things sort of just happen, right? If, you're, mm-hmm. uh, if uh, you're, I guess maybe you're open, you left yourself open to like, or you told the world that you uh, were in a situation and then someone was able to find something for you
0: yeah it's just so funny the string of incidents that actually lead me to where i am now it's almost like <laughs> serendipitous like oh yeah i flew a, you know i didn't get the job but now i got another one and i love it and okay i got to debt but you know what guess what like uh, we'll talk about this but we're just like but guess what i flew back to canada and i got a job like within a few weeks and now i flew to south korea and like hey i don't know what i want to do but here's a job offer to china and i flew to china it's like hey i met this guy who's gonna become my husband like that's pretty cool like so it's just Anyways, it's just really yeah, funny no, how things I, work.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and yeah, we're going to uh, try to get to those specifics in a sec. But I, I just feel like you're open to possibilities. I, I, if you weren't, then probably a lot of, you would have said a lot of no's, right?
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's true. I mean, I, I say this very casually. Like, oh, yeah, this stuff happened, this stuff happened. But, yeah, you're right. I could have said no. Like, I remember when i was in south korea debating what my next move was because i was like i I don't want to live in south korea like i love the Mm. people but it was one of those i felt i just knew my gut that it was time to move on yeah and i remember like i don't know what i should do should i go to like graduate school or should i try to make a go back in canada get a teaching job and then part of me was like oh maybe i'll just apply to some other jobs around the world and figure it out um, and so when this job offer for China came, I could have said no to that because it was, it was a new school okay. it was a new principal. There re- really wasn't anything. Oh, this was also 2008. So the internet wasn't, I mean, it was great, but it wasn't, isn't as like thorough as it is now. And so I could have said no, cause I didn't know much about the school. I didn't you know much about the principal. Yeah. yeah. Because again, it was brand new. And so I could have been like, oh, this doesn't feel safe. Like I might as well go back home. And so you're right. Like I think. I think in life, not just in money, but in life, like we're presented with these opportunities all the time.
1: All the time, yeah.
0: And so it's really up to us to say yes or no. And again, that's probably a muscle that you need to practice as well, is I think looking back when I would say yes or no to stuff, I remember when I would say no, um, sometimes I regretted it because I, I made that decision out of fear. But then I knew my gut that I should have probably said yes to it. I mean, you know, hindsight again is 2020 but yeah be open to what it is i mean start saying yes to little things it doesn't have to be like hey let's buy a one-way ticket to australia and figure this stuff out like that's probably pretty scary for a lot of people i (laughs) totally get it but there's things you can say yes to like maybe there's a meetup across the across town and like you want to there's some cool people you want to meet like say yes to that yeah you know or or I don't know like maybe um you're really interested in switching careers so maybe say yes to that part-time gig for now.
1: Yeah, and there's no harm in trying things, right? Mm-hmm. You can decide to pivot whenever you want.
0: Yeah, and I've I've pivoted quite a few times.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on that note, let's try to the let's try to get from Australia to Jacksonville like in 10 minutes. Okay, <laughs> I can, can I can it's, make a quick. <laughs> okay, it's it, I I know it's tough cuz I'd love to drill down on everything. I used up all my time on Pez. I I don't have any regrets though. No reg- <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> regrets. And you can come on the show again and we'll talk about, you know, other things. So you went back to Canada after Australia. You're in debt because you weren't making enough money and you had to pay for plane tickets and all this stuff.
0: Mhm. So and I also um ended up paying for quite a f- bit of my ex's stuff as well so i offered ah. to pay for like and yeah, so i offered to pay for like groceries um whenever i did fly across the country to train uh yeah. in this new office i offered to pay for that i paid for a couple trips here and there so anyway so gone to debt didn't even realize i was in debt because i was like i refuse to look at my credit card bill. you're not even I
1: looking okay so yeah, this is I mean, where sarah's at at this point not yeah even and i knew like i
0: mean i knew my bank statements i mean not bank statements my my bank balance wasn't great it was like almost yeah. at zero most times and i was like okay. you know okay cool whatever and so um after my contract was done i was like I, i'm gonna go home i'm gonna again i should probably just get a job and buy a house and i'm probably gonna get engaged and all of those <laughs> adulting things right <laughs> like checklist yeah yeah the checklist and so i flew back uh x ex- broke up with me via msm okay. messenger stayed in who- australia no. yeah he he was in Australia he broke up with me through m s n messenger and so <laughs> if you know what that is like again i'm I'm pretty ancient That's in low internet years, yeah, and so I was like, oh, and so I remember checking I was sitting in my bedroom um in my parents' house and I was looking at the credit card statements and I was like, oh my god, like I'm nine thousand dollars in debt like <laughs> it was wow, okay. and I was like, oh okay, so I remember like how did I get to this like I know how to budget, I know all of the logical things and the spreadsheets, but like how did I how did I end up in this and it, yeah. it was just one of those where I was in shock and I went downstairs and I was like mom can I stay with you for a little bit she didn't even like no questions asked like she just said okay sure you know, I'll give you she a few got, weeks. She understood
1: yeah okay yeah so
0: she's like sure I'll give you a few weeks and figure things out and um again went back upstairs and I was just like oh like what do I do what I do and so I was like okay well like what do I need right now and the answer was like I just need something to pay this off because i couldn't get a teaching job at the time again like um with unions is a little bit more difficult to get in as a, as a newbie um number two it was like the wrong time of the year to really apply for anything permanent or part-time or anything like that um i think it was like it's like the end of june or july when i got back yeah. and so okay. anyway so i was like yeah. okay no job prospects for teaching let me just walk to the mall where i worked in college and got my waitressing job back Um, I worked at the Gap for a little bit. I was like, okay, cool. I'll just do this and then I'll figure it out. Um, And then my friend in South Korea taught there. And I was just kind of casually mentioning, like, I'd love to go overseas again. And she said, well, the school's hiring. Are you interested? So I thought, okay, cool. So I sent a resume and then went through the interview process via Skype. And then they said, when can you come? And so um, a month later, I flew to South Korea and uh, worked and lived there for a year. Okay, one year. Yes. And so um, just to backtrack a little, I remember mentioning like, okay, that year was up. My gut was telling me I should probably go, but I didn't want to leave, but I didn't know what my prospects were. Very randomly applied to the school in Ch- uh not in China, sorry, in South Korea, but then the principal was moving to China. And so the school oh. again was brand new. So
1: the new one, yeah.
0: I didn't know anything about the principal um, or anything, but I said yes to it. When I signed the contract, it was like, oh, for two years. And I thought, huh, okay. I thought it was for one year because... To me, that's all I mm. knew was one-year contracts. And I thought, okay, well, you know what? If it really sucks, I'll just i I'll just leave. Just, <laughs> break, so, just break the contract, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'll just break the contract if it's really that bad. And so um, I flew to, flew to China right after my contract ended in South Korea. And I lived there for about eight years. <laughs>
1: wow, okay, yeah. eight years. Okay, mm-hmm. just a quick step back. So you're able to pay off all your debt with the South Korea money?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um, I paid the debt off in... Nine months, I'd say. So, because so, just as a quick primer for teachers, it's really beneficial to go overseas because you get, Mm. in most cases, you get free housing. Yeah. Um, some cases transportation, but I didn't get that. But the free and standard living is like so low compared to North America. Um, so essentially, ninety percent of my income was mine. Wow. Like I could do whatever I wanted with it. So I paid off my debt.
1: What's your salary? At that back
0: then. I think it was like 30,000
1: here would be like a uh, half of that and, and then uh, for in costs and then taxes, but you don't have to worry about any of that. In no. South and Korea. Then you,
0: you also got like pension. And so when you leave, you get, you get that too.
1: You get it paid out. Yeah. To you. And wow. so it was great. Yeah. Okay, so, so you're banking money and, mm-hmm. and, and so now you you pay off your debt and, and you have some savings. Yeah. Before you go to China. had
0: some savings right went before it went, when I went to China, and then again, like I said, that's where I met my husband because we worked together. We got married in Hong Kong, which I don't know what, I just think that's very funny, but we got married in Hong Kong. <laughs> um, and then we, I was
1: wondering if it was coming back. That's why I asked Yeah. In the
0: <laughs> so we got married in Hong Kong because my relatives were there, and it was easier to get married there instead of uh, mainland China. Sure, your relatives there, yeah. Right. And so we got married in 2010, um, and then... We were kind of like oh well what should we do should we go back to the u.s we ended up staying a little bit more um yeah because i was like two years into china so then
1: and you're teaching for eight years
0: so yeah that plus you know the other years that i was in in korea and a little bit in in australia yeah but um, eight years in china eight years in china yes
1: are you starting to do any uh, any side hustle type things at this point yet
0: yeah. So in about, I think 2012, that's when I started freelance writing as a side hustle because I was okay. bored. Like I, no, I did, seriously was so, just bored.
1: So China was, like, was boring. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not China was boring. It was just like, I was bored one day and I was like, what can I do? Oh, you gotcha. And so I, I fell down this rabbit hole of like Google searches like one does. And yep. uh stumbled across freelance writing and I thought, oh, that'd be fun to get paid. And so I pitched a couple of places and I think I got paid like 50 bucks for my first article and I loved it. And so I did that just really very casually. And then it wasn't until I gave birth in 2015 that I realized, you know what, maybe I could make a go of this, especially since my husband and I were considering moving to the US because that's where he's from. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I can really make a go at this, because at that point, if I were to move to the U.S., I'd have to get, you know, social security number, all the documentation. And I Mm -hmm. didn't know if my Canadian teaching license would work in the U.S.
1: Okay, so you're trying Um, to make alternate plans now. Yeah. Because you you have a you have one child now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you did then. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, do you have more than one child now I forget just one just one yeah so you, have, mm-hmm. do you still have that you still have that child <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and uh born in China yeah mm-hmm. yes yeah that's it's uh, that's also very interesting too right you know you're born in Hong Kong moved to Canada moved to China have a child there and now living in the states yeah uh, just to wrap your head around that right
0: I know and it's so funny because whenever we tell people how my husband and I met they're like you moved halfway across the world to meet someone that lived a six hour drive away from you. And I said, exactly. I know. I know. Yeah. Cause where, cause where
1: is he from originally? He's
0: from Pittsburgh. So yeah. 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 It's like six hour far. drive. Yeah. Not that bad. I think I'll be, I
1: drove through there on the way down to Orlando last year. Yeah. Yeah. Or go. just past Pittsburgh. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay. You are just randomly stumbling onto freelance writing, which is just so interesting. It's not like you had been Writing books or novels or writing online. Were you were you blogging at all?
0: I think I started a blog because people said you should if you're going to be a freelance <laughs> yeah. writer. Like again, yeah. the should thing. And so yeah. I did. I just started. It was like a, a very it, it felt like one of those live journal type blogs. Again, I'm making myself feel really old. Like like a Tumblr blog. Like we just kind yeah. of write random things. And so I kind of gave up on that pretty fast. <laughs> um, and I didn't start anything until 2000. 16 basically when i moved to the u.s but yeah i was like i was just doing freelance writing Um, at that point i was doing more educational writing so more like writing about
1: what you know right
0: yeah like higher ed stuff like for clients higher ed stuff textbooks and things like that then i transitioned to personal finance writing when a client very randomly asked me to write about how you freelance overseas and so other people got wind of that article and then asked me to write more personal finance type stuff and i realized hey that's like where's where the money's at, so let me do that. And so...
1: So that's how you got into the the personal mm, finance space,
0: Which was funny because a lot of... No one really... I think that people were surprised to hear that I was Canadian. I, I don't know what yeah. gave... Like, what what gave them the impression I wasn't, right? But <laughs> I would write a lot about U.S. finance and it was... It was such a learning curve at the beginning because I didn't know anything about it, right? Oh well, yeah. But it was great because yeah. it prepped me for when we moved to the U.S. And again, it was one of those where this can be like a little backup thing while I figure out the teaching stuff. Um, so when we moved to the U.S., I was like, told my husband, I'm like, I'm going to give this a go for six months. If it crashes and burns, I will then be more serious about looking for a job. And I haven't had a job since. <laughs>
1: uh, how did you meet all the people that you ended up working for? Your conferences?
0: A lot of them were through email um I remember waking up in the middle of the night in China because it was you know daytime in the U.S. and I would just call and see if they needed work and so it was a lot of like waking up in the middle of the night at one point to do that when we moved to the U.S. it was the same thing it was just calling at that point I was getting more referrals from fellow freelance writers from clients or current clients that really liked me and just gave me more stuff but it was really it's really unsexy like don't let anybody tell you otherwise it's like (laughs) that's really unsexy stuff where it's consistent like you're just consistently doing outreach
1: yeah all all the the time it does get easier
0: like now that i've been doing for about seven years it's it's easier but i still have to email like a lot less than i used to but i still sometimes have to reach out to to new clients or existing clients and ask for more work
1: yeah, asking for work—we're not really trained to do that, are we? We're trained to get a job and do the thing and sit nine to five, uh, and then we don't ever uh, use the muscle of of asking.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. I was just—I was actually doing a podcast interview earlier, and we were talking about how negotiation is part of your everyday life. You just have to like really think of it that way, or asking yeah. for things is part of that. And so it could—it could be like you're ordering. I don't know, extra French fries at McDonald's like that. You're asking (laughs) something, right? But why does it feel different than asking for more work? Or maybe you're negotiating. Yeah, maybe you're negotiating with your husband, like where you want to go for dinner or vacation. Like that's negotiating. But for some reason, it feels different when you're doing that with your boss. I mean, yes, there's a clear reasons why, but it's you're doing it all the time and i think when like going back to the idea of opportunities and how i spot mm-hmm. them it's like we look for opportunities all the time it just really depends on what we want or what we're looking for
1: and and the motivation for you to do this was just that you knew you couldn't keep making money the way you were making money if you moved back right is that is that the primary that reason was why that was the initial
0: through? goal and i i really wanted to make sure that I had a flexible schedule for my son again when we moved to the U.S. we didn't know where yet at this point it was like oh well my husband it's easier for him to get a teen job because he already has a U.S. teaching license and all of that and so it was one of those things where like we'll be adventurous and figure out where in the U.S. we're gonna go and so if it was like far away from family then the child care duties would fall on us to figure out like where yeah of you know to figure out like basically like who you know, who's going to like babysit or do, we'd want to put him in daycare and all those things. And so I thought, well, if my husband's role right now is just to get us into the US and get a job, then, then, okay, fine. The primary care is probably going to follow me, which is fine. And so if that's the case and I'm already kind of figuring out my career prospects, I might as well be the one with the flexible schedule so that I can be the one to figure out childcare and all of the other things, you know, while my husband has to figure out paperwork for his, um, for his teaching job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the reverse situation right now. My wife is going back to med school uh, and I'll, I'm the one who has the flexible schedule with our six uh, and a half month old baby. It's a totally different situation. You can just pick up and go teach in another country at this point right
0: gosh i'm sure you know with a with a young child it's like really difficult yep. and on top of like working right so i'm like here freelancing at yeah, a, it's home. a full-time job on a yeah. full-time job yeah like... so it's freelancing at home Um <laughs> uh, we didn't know anybody in the town we lived in initially so we were pretty isolated and i was watching this kid and he was teething at the time which as all <laughs> most parents know or all parents know it's it's like a tough stage like i mean all stages were tough but that that one was particularly I'm living it right
1: and living it yeah. now. He's got two teeth right in, on the bottom. Oh.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I was going through that and I think like we wanted to start potty training early anyways, it was all those things and it was just like, Oh my gosh, you know, when I went through the thick of it, but I'm still very thankful that I, um, that I transitioned because the more I did it, the more I realized like how much I enjoy it, mm-hmm. how much I enjoy, mm-hmm. Really, having more control over my schedule and more control over working with like amazing clients, which I have, and it gives me time to work on more creative things because I have a podcast, so i, I do that yeah I was and, gonna
1: just gonna mention the podcast but, yeah right? and yeah. It,
0: it you know, and I guess the bonus on top of it is like the earnings potential, so again, you know back when I was a kid I'm like, I don't care about money, but now I do in the sense is that it gives me more options like we have a really healthy emergency fund like we have a year's yeah. worth stash away like we just bought a house a couple months ago and our pool exploded um i will show you a picture about sometime like <laughs> it it literally like it's an above exploded? Ground pool and literally exploded like it was
1: oh yeah. and wow we,
0: and one of the features we liked about the hell was the pool but anyways that's besides the point so we moved in the house yeah. the pool exploded our car also broke down and we needed a new transmission so we ended up buying a new car anyway so like it was like okay closing costs uh new car uh yeah. new pool we had to fix part of the fence because of the explosion and i'm just like okay like money's important and not important at the same time like it's important because it it took that stress off of me knowing that I had money there to like get a car or yeah like to fix things in case my homeowner's insurance wouldn't pay for it. You know, and it gave me the opportunity to be like, I can take time off of work because now I can pick up more work later on if I really wanted to to make up for lost time. And and all those things. And so my relationship with money is in some ways the same, but more refined if it makes sense. Like I'm still very mindful of my purchases, yeah. but I'm much more grateful for it and, and what it can help me do and, and how it can help my family and even myself.
1: And money as a tool, as a, a enabler for freedom so that you, yeah, you don't have to worry so much, right? About anything. Mm-hmm. You, like everything's taken care of. Now, so the podcast Beyond the Dollar, I mean, you this, you talked about people's relationships with money all the time
0: the idea behind the podcast is really looking at life first and then how does money play into it because i think there's some really amazing podcasts including yours right but there's other ones that talk very nitty-gritty into the tactics and budget which again great because that's very much needed but i think what's really missing is that like why do we need that budget like okay, like you want to buy a house. Sure. What's the first thing you really think of? Is it really about the mortgage or is it about what kind of home you want or yeah. which location, right? It's, it's that stuff before the money. So that's really what I want to focus on is, is that.
1: Yeah, and uh, you had a co-host and then uh, he moved on. Is that how it worked?
0: Yeah, so he had some life stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> as um, we all do, again. As we right? all do. And so we had yeah. some life stuff, and, and he was very upfront, honest about it. And so he wanted me to, to continue the mission of Beyond the Dollar. And so we're still friends. He's just We're just not a co-host anymore.
1: Yeah, what happened? I mean, Jay Money had, uh, did, did the same thing with Paula Pant. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes this is the thing that we stay with. But you know, as you've had throughout your whole life so far, there are seasons for uh, a whole bunch of different things, right? Mm-hmm. And sure, teaching was a the theme for a while, but it was in different places, and you were always open to opportunities. And then the, the writing thing, and just to find this uh, community, as you said, uh, great clients.
0: At the end of the day, if you just keep your mind open, it may not be exactly what you envisioned. Um, and so something I tell people is like, okay, chase that feeling that you want that comes as a result of what you want to achieve. And I so like the specifics yeah. of what you're going to achieve are pro- maybe different, but what you're going to end up getting is probably even like better than what you even imagined. Because like, I remember thinking like I, when I left Canada, I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to come back and live here. Just, just because mm. not to hate it. Not that I hate it. Right. No, but it no. was just one of those. I'm like, I knew that I just wanted to travel. I wanted adventure. Um, I wanted to feel like I, had the opportunity for adventure and i and i do now it just yeah i bought a house i'm not traveling as much but every day is an adventure like i get to talk with you in the podcast i'm gonna write a few client articles afterwards like tomorrow i'm taking the day off take my son to the zoo like so I, because of that flexibility it, i can make every day feel like an adventure right so it's like i get that feeling but yeah. the specifics of it aren't aren't gonna be like i'm gonna go to Morocco tomorrow like that's not yeah. you know
1: and you can get that feeling uh in yeah in, in many different ways so you're just saying we need to put it out there into the into the universe is that Yeah it?
0: and it, if if it is something specific you want great like okay like I this is what I want and and then when you do that, I mean, like if you're not into the woo, that's totally fine. There's that whole <laughs> idea of confirmation bias where you're going to look for evidence of things that you want or you are looking for. Sure. So if you want a teaching job overseas and you just start talking about it and thinking about it, those opportunities will seem like they magically appear because you're looking for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, uh, the podcast has definitely been a great source of that for me, just like putting having all of this out there and uh, uh, probably the same for you with your writing and podcasting um, just, you know, the more you talk about things, the more they start to come your way and the more you re- refine what it is you, uh, you are looking for too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So beyond the dollar uh, that's just go on podcast places and find that wherever you find this podcast or any other podcast, you can find beyond the dollar with Sarah Lee Kane. And uh, where else can uh, people find you or read uh, all over the place? to Google or?
0: Yeah. So I have, um, if you want to check out articles I've written for on on my um, website, just go to beyondthedollar.co, not .com. It's uh, now unfortunately gotcha. forwarded to a scammy video. So please do not oh. go to the .com. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so .co, beyondthedollar.co. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I'm hanging out on Instagram quite a lot lately. So Instagram, uh, beyondthedollar is my username.
1: Very cool. But yeah, so just uh, keep an eye out for Sarah. And, and I will see you at FinCon, yes, next yes, week? Yes, of course. Awesome. Looking forward. i There's so many things going on. I I mean, there's conflicts all over the place. So uh, <laughs> are, you, are you doing a session of any kind?
0: I am. So I'm speaking about insurance and wills. I know, not the sexiest topic, but very important. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is that something you've been writing about a lot?
0: Yeah, so I'm actually chatting. So I'm going to do the talk with another uh andy hill uh, marriage kids and money podcast which is yeah. another great one and then mm-hmm. my editor from fabric i don't think it's a can they don't think of anything in canada yet but i think um forgive me i think i'm pretty sure there's one that's similar um where you can get like free wills made okay online. yeah 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 so that's what they do um essentially is help you create a free will so we're gonna be chatting about um who needs one what kind of life insurance and all of those things
1: yeah, okay, that's cool. That's uh that's very informative and then uh I'll probably just uh are you going to do a podcast on the stage?
0: I am not this year. Um, I get very distracted by peripheral noise. Yeah. So <laughs> Tell I, me about I, I it. learned. Yeah, I learned that very early on, and so I thought I probably shouldn't. Um, in case I'm interviewing somebody and I butcher it, so just out of respect oh. for like the interviewee, I'm I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna be
1: waving <laughs> at everyone uh, going by. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> it's probably the worst idea <laughs> for me. <laughs> but uh, I'm also excited. It's gonna be my hundredth show, so okay. I'm excited about. Doing that on stage. And yeah, awesome. So I'll see you next week. And thanks for coming on the show. And I'm looking forward to being on your show. I still have to book that in. It'll, yeah, whenever I, <laughs> I have time, probably in September, that would make a lot of sense, actually. So I will get to that. But it was so nice having you on the show and telling. Uh, most of your story um, you know there's so much more we could talk about I know drill down uh, uh, on China like there's eight years of China to talk about <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. We, we just like that was like 30 seconds like I lived in China for eight years um, that's a whole somebody's whole entire podcast so uh, but it was great I, I you know i love uh, uh, to hear about where you came from and it's so um, all over the place um, you know and inspiring to be pe- anyone who's looking to have a you know, the non stay in your city forever and buy a house and have kids life as <laughs> <laughs> they try to teach us. Right.
0: Yeah. And if you ever have any questions, like, um, feel free to email me. Hello at beyond the dollar.co. I get a lot of emails, but I make sure to get through them. And if you do have like specific questions on like traveling and all of that, like hit me up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause you, and you've written a, lo- a lot, about that in the, in the past as well, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, if, uh, if anybody wants to, to live the, the Sarah Lee Kane life, um, <laughs> yeah, email. <laughs> awesome. So yes. that was hello at beyondthedollar.co? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. I will see you next week. All right. Thank you. And that was episode 98 with Sarah Lee Kane. If you like the podcast and want to see me get to episode 100, which is only two episodes away, please support the podcast by going to my Patreon site and becoming a patron it's only a few bucks a week but if enough people do it it starts to add up so head over to patreon.com slash if you're interested that's it for this episode i'll be back next week with episode 99 which will be all about money and travel with special guest beth mcmillan who will tell the story of how she saved up enough money and made the time in her life to take a six-month honeymoon around the world